on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Matt Foley. That's not a good loss for the Brewers today. Not that any loss is good, but that one especially hurts a little bit more. You're in control. You have a 3-0 lead. You've got a starting pitcher who is pitching well, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, snap of a finger, everything goes poorly there in the top of the seventh, and the Pirates score all four of the runs, and they end up beating the Brewers 4-3 as this three-game series is now even at a game apiece. Welcome into Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Vinny Rotino from Bally Sports Wisconsin, former Brewer. He'll Join us coming up in just a few moments. We'll get the post-game comments of manager Craig Council, and we'll go back through the game with the highlights. That's all coming up. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Two-strike offering. Thompson deals again, and Luis sends it in the air. Left center and deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Luis Arias. And the Brewers have the lead on his 10th of the year. Tough loss for the Brewers today, 4-3. Welcome back into Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. Matt Pauley with you. Vinny Rotino will be up in just a few moments. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, or tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air. Let's grab uh, our first phone call of the program. Sparky in Madison has given us a call. Hey, Sparky, you're on WTMJ. Uh, hello, Matt. Hey, listen, thank you for taking my call here. I don't really have a comment at all about the game, but I do know that you're leaving uh, after tomorrow, and I just want to let you know how much I have enjoyed all these extra inning uh, shows that you do after all the Brewer games here. And I know that uh, I, I, just, I think the, the show will continue after you leave. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing I've always admired about you is the fact that you have such a passion for the game of baseball. And I have that same feeling, and I've been, I've been following baseball since the late 50s when I was just a little kid all the way to now. And, uh, you know, to hear you talk about your love for the game and the passion that you have, it's really great. And I know that I am going to really miss your commentaries after these Brewer games. So without getting too long-winded here, I just want to wish you the very best, and I hope that maybe at some point in time uh, we'll hear your voice somewhere, shape, or form. And uh, that would be nice to do. So, hey, good luck to you. And it's always been a real treat to listen to these extra indie shows with you, man. Good luck to you. Sparky, that's really nice to say. I've always enjoyed uh, your phone calls over the uh, years that I've been doing this. And, yeah, tomorrow is my last day at uh, WTMJ. We'll spend a little bit more time on that on tomorrow's show. Um, just um, share some thoughts with you then. But I, I appreciate the phone call. And uh, it's been, uh, it has been emotional here over the last few days, especially since uh, making the announcement that uh, this was going to be uh, it for me at WTMJ. Uh, let's grab a uh, – so, yeah, appreciate it, Sparky. That was really nice of you to uh, say. Mike in Mequon texting the program says the back of the pen needs less work lets the starter stay in longer goes on to say Hobie Milner right now should be the uh, Brewers uh, eighth inning pitcher so uh, you're uh, I agree with half of what you kind of said there Mike 
yes, the back end of the bullpen needs less work. We're starting to see them wear down right now, whether it's Boxberger, whether it's Williams, whether it's Hader. It seems like every day one of those guys is not available. They've played too many close games this season. They've used those guys too much, and we are starting to see it in the results. I don't think the answer so much is that you need starters to go longer. So if we're going to use today, for example, Brandon Woodruff was clearly running out of gas when he came out. He was just rolling along, and then all of a sudden starts stuff kind of starts going poorly for him. Maybe he's a bad example because this is just his uh, third start since coming off the injured list, so you're probably not going to push him as much as you push somebody else. But even with that being said, uh, Woodruff threw 92 pitches today. Like, What more do you want than that? Do you, do you want him to face another batter so he can get to 98 pitches? Do you want him to find a way to get through that inning so he can get to 105 pitches? Like he's, once, you're past, once you're to 85, 90 pitches, like you're, you've had a day. That's a lot of pitches. So, um, I, I, you know, now there's other days that obviously starters don't go as deep into games, and this probably is more uh, to your point. But if we're speaking specifically about today's game, they don't lose this game because Woodruff comes out early, but they do. They do need to figure out a situation where they can get. They, they got to score more runs, right? At the end of the day, we can say everything we want about pitching. They got to score more runs. You score more runs, you end up having more wins where you're winning by a bunch. In many ways, one-sided losses are a lot better than close losses because if you're losing in a one-sided fashion. From an out, from a resource allocation standpoint, you're not using some of the things that you would use in close games, and that makes them available for other games. So yeah, if I have a choice between, if I know the team is going to lose, and it's a choice between a two-one loss or an eleven-nothing loss, take the eleven-nothing loss because that actually sets you up better to possibly win in the next day. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mike in Colorado says, terrible loss, should have never fallen behind. Then they have runners on first and third with no outs, and they can't tie it up. Two for 13 with runners in scoring position. They are not capable of manufacturing one run when they need it, and against the Pirates, too. I think a lot of Brewers fans, Mike, share in your frustration here at the moment. We'll take a break. The news is coming up in two minutes. Vinny Rotino joins me after that. Brewers come up short. They lose to Pittsburgh today by a 4-3 score. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Brewers up one nothing here in the top of the third. And a 1-2 pitch to Perez. Woodruff struck him out looking. Fastball right at the knees. Two more strikeouts for Brandon Woodruff. He's got nine up and nine down through three innings. There we go. 4-3, the Brewers fall to Pittsburgh today. Welcome back in. It's Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley, Vinny Rotino alongside. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk at text line 855-616-1620. Based off all the texts we are getting, Brewers fans are frustrated after this one, and rightfully so. Vinny, every year there's always a handful of games that they get over with, and you say that team had no business losing that game, and today's one of those days the Brewers had no business losing this game. It's one thing if you get beat by the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? Like just flat-out beat. They score 10 runs off Brandon Woodruff somehow, just beat him up all over the yard. You know, you get shut down by like a guy like Zach Thompson or something like that, or Jose Quintana pitching tomorrow. But that wasn't the case today. I mean, they had a 3 nothing lead. They give it away. I mean, it was a weird... 
a weird stat line by by Brandon Woodruff. He pitched brilliantly up and through through six innings, and then he threw three pitches in the in the seventh, all for hits. And now all of a sudden he gave up three runs. Just a weird game. They gave it away in the seventh. They did not score in the bottom of the seventh. They've been they've been doing a good job of answering back after an opponent um, scores in the top half, and then they they've been able to retake the lead. They did that yesterday, not today. That's what did the Brewers in. So we'll play Craig Council later on. He's already spoken to the media, and one of the terms he uses a ton, we talk about it, getting that next hit. And unfortunately, we have heard about the Brewers not getting that next hit time and time and time again. And what that next hit was today was the other 11 opportunities when they were 2 for 13 with runners in scoring position. I think it was Adam McCalvey, Vinny, who asked um, Council, what do you do to get that next hit? And with all due respect to Craig Council, his answer is along the lines of, well, you just keep having a good approach and everything. But like, that's, the, that's the stock from the manager answer. But it, there's, there's not a whole lot of value to that, to be perfectly honest. What do you do when you can't get that next hit? What do you do to get that next hit? You know, sometimes you're just snake-bitten a little bit as to getting that next hit, and they haven't been able to do it, and it feels like the Brewers are snake-bitten right now um, in getting that clutch hit. And it's interesting, though, Matt, in that in that talk that Craig Council had with the media after the game, he talked about the next hit. He talks about that next hit all the time. But today he talked about having productive outs. And you don't hear him say that too often with runners on third. Have productive outs. Because usually they talk about the big inning and getting that next hit. But productive outs with runners on third or moving the runner over, you haven't seen that from this team. And they, they had a chance to get a runner in with no outs, first and third in the bottom of the seventh inning, They and, and they couldn't get it done. They had a strikeout, an ugly strikeout by Andrew McCutcheon. Shadows were a little a little rough against Dwayne Underwood, a guy that gives up runs. And then Colton Wong hits that ball to Susugo at first base, out at home, and then Another, I don't even know how they got out of that inning. You knew they were going to get out of that inning at that point. In the seventh, it was another strikeout, um, but it was it was not a it was not a good inning. It was not a good inning. Luis Arias ended up striking out. So um, they need to get a, a fly ball or something, a bloop, a bleeder, even a ground ball to the middle for a double play early with, with McCutcheon up. That scores the run. That ties the game. It's interesting you say that. So when they're in these positions where people want to see them really cultivate, produce a run. People always go to bunting. And we have these stupid conversations about bunting over and over and over. And I hate the conversation about bunting. But what you just mentioned is, quite honestly, if you are one of those people who wants to see small ball and you automatically get upset that the Brewers don't bunt enough, what you should be upset about is that when there's a runner on at second, they don't hit the ball to the right side of the outfield, uh, the right side of the infield enough to get the runner over, that they don't advance runners on fly balls, things like that. It's not bunting that they need to do more. It's everything you just mentioned. It's the small things, and that is a version of small ball, but that's that's what's missing. Yeah, I mean, with a runner on third, that was an absolute layup, you know, for for years, right? So you would get an elevated pitch, you'd make sure that you could hit it into the outfield, and it was a sack fly. And you saw that all the time. Now you see guys strike out or hit the ball to the third baseman or the first baseman. You want to stay in the middle of the field, use the big part of the field, get something that you can drive to the outfield. And more often than not, Matt, you would actually drive a ball in the gap for a double if you had that mindset. Now, I mean, it's just it just seems to be 
I don't know if it's unimportant in the minor leagues or something, but we were always taught in the minor leagues just to make sure you can get a ball that you can drive to the gaps, and then that would score that run from third. Brewers just haven't been able to to do that much lately. I, I bluntly don't spend a whole lot of time down at batting practice with, with the Brewers. I generally get to the ballpark a little bit later than that, but I know when I was working as a minor league broadcaster, I was down at BP on an almost everyday basis, and the approach was always, you know, get them over. Like the, during batting practice in the minors is always, this is the situation, now approach it based off this situation. Um, and I think that still exists in the minor leagues today. Yes, some of, yeah, some of this is a product of that the arms are that nasty, that the strikeouts are, are just plentiful. You know, there's a plenty of strikeouts to go around. They know how to get guys to swing and miss. They know how to get guys to chase. And so that that is part of it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you just got to do something, try and put the ball in play into the outfield or even, again, in the middle of the field, and, and ground into a double play so you can tie up the game. There's, you know, it's just really frustrating that they – and you could sense it in Craig Council's voice. It was really frustrating they couldn't get a run across after they got first and third against Dwayne Underwood. The other big thing in this game is they let the Pirates stick around. They, you, and you let a team stick around, and then all of a sudden you can have some crazy thing happen the way that four-run inning for the Pirates went, and all of a sudden you're losing a game that you have no business losing. And that happens a lot where they let teams stick around. But something that I talked about before you got here, Vinny, and it plays out into this, when you let teams stick around, that, that's the dictionary definition of you not pulling away. And when you're not able to pull away, all of a sudden you are – allocating all of your high-leverage resources to that game, and then maybe Brad Boxberger gives up what he gives up today, or maybe Josh Hader gives up a few runs, or Devin Woolley. Like, all of a sudden, those guys are not quite as effective because of the usage. So not a, this game today is a great example of why pulling away is so important, because A, they're not in a situation where they can be done in by one inning the way they are today, but also it shows you that you had an opportunity to go out there and not use a Brad Boxberger and just give everybody a day off, and you're not able to do that either. That's a great point, Matt. We saw that a bunch last year where once Willie Adamas was acquired, they they really started to swing the bat. They really started to score some runs, and you saw that you know Josh Hader and Devin Williams would go stretches without throwing, and that you know we'll see how this all plays out in August and September when these guys have thrown a bunch of innings because they're really throwing a lot, and they need to throw a lot in order to win these ball games. But it seems as if the Brewers either win by 10 or are, are winning or losing by, by one, right? I mean, we see that a ton. There, there's no games that I can think of too consistently where they're th- you know, winning by three, a 6-3 to three game or a 7-3 to three game or something like that. It's always super close or a blowout. Let's grab a phone call. Dennis on the south side. Hey, Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. You know, I I know this isn't the same, but but it's similar. Okay, I I coached high school fast pitch softball for for ladies at a high school, and you know, you were use the word situational. We used to do a lot of situational training with regards to the defense, but also in offense. Okay, if if whatever was going to happen on the bases, we had the ladies trained up that if you recognize what was going on. You knew the play was in play, and you knew how to react accordingly, whether the coach was telling you or not. Now, given that situation at third base, as soon as that ball went to first, our ladies were coached that you took two hard steps, like you were breaking for the plate, 
to be able to force that, that throw to the home. And that was going to take two good throws to be able to get you out at third. Because you're going to take those two steps and then hightail it back to third base. Had we done that today, it would have taken two good throws on much longer base paths, okay? And we would have had bases loaded with one out. I mean, why, why isn't that kind of thinking going on with regards to, you know, the offensive play? Yeah, Dennis, I certainly uh, appreciate the phone call. I could tell you were uh, reacting internally there, Vinny. Well, it's an interesting thought um, that you're going to fake, that you're going to go home. He's talking about the play there where uh, Wong hit that ground, hard ground ball to, to Satsugo and first and third there with Dwayne Underwood in that seventh inning. And he's talking about that play where then the runner should have been able to get back to first to third. I've never seen that play. I've never seen that play even worked on in, in minor league baseball, major league baseball, whatever. But that's not to say that that might not be an interesting base running play. I mean, there's always interesting base running plays that get introduced um, – in in the and in, in worked on in, in spring training, but I've never seen that play. It's interesting. Um, I'm wondering if 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 the runner at third, I forget who was on third in that inning. Was it uh, it was Willie Adamas who let off that inning with a double? I'm wondering if he breaks hard to home and then goes back to third. That Sutsugo actually doesn't throw home. He just takes the out at first, which you know. I, 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 it's an interesting point by Dennis. I, you know, I, I'm I'm open minded yeah. as anybody in this game. I just I've never seen that. When you break hard, you always have the chance that you break just a little bit too hard, right. and all of a sudden you're out. Yeah, exactly. Then you're in a then you're in a rundown, and then uh, you know anything can happen. I guess a rundown would be better than just taking the out at home because that's really what happened. The one thing I've I've always thought about this with baseball. I, you get some work done on the field before games. I'm not saying there's no practice aspects of baseball, but the everyday nature of baseball, you get you you get your work in. That you hear that all the time in baseball. You got to get your work in. You get your work in, but it's not like you're out there really doing drills and things like that. Getting your work in almost at times is an individual thing. So you do practice type things in spring training, and then the season. Um, get started and you don't really have that as much on an everyday basis unless maybe you're in a really big rut and your manager says, okay, everybody get in at noon tomorrow. We got some stuff to work on. But that's a that's something that maybe happens once, twice a year. It's really tough. The good baseball teams are able to keep base running, fielding, like all those kind of small, intricate things at a high level despite the fact that they're not really being worked on an everyday basis. It's interesting you say that, Matt, because what happens in baseball is that, yes, you work on those things as a team, like bunt defenses and rundown plays and different little nuanced and niche base running plays like that. But when you're in the season, your practice is actually the games because you play so much. You should get enough practice with that stuff. But it's interesting, no one bunts anymore, so you really don't practice bunt defense during the game, actually perform the bunt defense during the game, which, again, it takes places of practice. Um, but I'm wondering if that would is the next thing that's going to come back into the game um, is practicing during the season, practicing those bunt defenses and things as a team. Um, it's such a grind of a season. Um, 
guys guys might have a problem with that and there's no might about that guys will have a problem with that (laughs) yeah for sure so it's a long season and and that's why you try and keep guys off their feet as much as possible 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line you can also tweet at me at matt paulie on air brewers lose to the pirates 4-3 more in a moment this is brewers extra innings it's brewers extra innings with matt paulie Sutsuno waiting, and that one is hit in the gap in the right center to the wall. Sutsuno is going into second base with a one-out standing double. Well, he finally gave up a base hit. 4-3, the Brewers lose to the Pirates today. Welcome back in. It's Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Vinny Rotino, former Brewer, Valley Sports Wisconsin analyst here as well. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line, or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Doug tweeting in, or texting in, I should say. This is what happens when you keep playing with fire. You get burned, and as teams that get better, you'll get burned more and more. I guess the Cardinals can't score easier uh, either, but they will. Question is, will the Brewers, does anybody want this division. Cardinals have been shut out two days in a row. Um, These are extreme examples of what's going on with the Brewers and what's going on with the Cardinals, but it's just been an overwhelming storyline this year and the last few years of baseball. Offense is just way, way, way down. Pitching is so good. Pitching is that good. Again, everyone has a pitching lab now. In the past, it was like a handful of teams that was utilizing that pitching lab, and now it's a lot of teams. And so um, it's every team, quite frankly. And so now you know, the Phillies uh, shut out the Cardinals one nothing, and the Phillies tried to give the Cardinals that game. They were first and third with nobody out, and the Cardinals still couldn't score, similar to the Brewers today in the seventh. So um, I think the Brewers will be fine. Uh, here's here's a silver lining from, from the last two games. Aaron Ashby looked awesome. Mm-hmm. He looked healthy. And then Brandon Woodruff looked awesome, and he looks healthy, and he looks like he's made some adjustments. So take that. And, and and go to sleep with, with you know put your head on the pillow tonight knowing that the Brewers pitching staff is really really good still. Woodruff was just rolling, and then he runs into that seventh inning, and it's it's a as you've mentioned, Vinny, it's a really small number of pitches that ends his day, and you could see these things happening, and you know he's just a few games off the injured list, and you know that his pitch count is past ninety, so his day is going to be coming to an end anyways. But at the same time, had he had enough happened at that point to get him out of the game in that moment? Here's Brandon Woodruff's line if he doesn't pitch in the seventh. Six innings pitched, one hit, zero earned runs, nine Ks. That's going to be his line. But he goes out for the seventh. He throws three pitches. That's it, Matt, three. He gives up hit, 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 and three consecutive pitches. One was a blooper by O'Neill Cruz. Shouldn't have been a hit. Obviously, it, you know, found a hole. And now all of a sudden his line is six innings pitch, four hits, three earned runs, still with the nine Ks. So um, just kind of a weird Weird line, a weird game at the end of the day for Brandon Woodruff. As brilliant as he was, he had, he was absolutely nasty with that changeup today. This is a new toy, a new weapon for him. Um, he threw 22 changeups. He got eight swings and misses on it. That's a ton. 16 for strikes. Um, he was just, he looked really good. He was 97, 98 early. Velo was starting to tick down in the 94 range later on in the game, but again, he was commanding his stuff. Um, he, he started going to the slider as well. So a weird final line for Woody, but at the end of the day, he pitched great. So it's an odd thing if you're the Pirates because 
you're there in the inning, and Woodruff is at 89 pitches going into the inning. So for a lot of teams who have just been shut down all day by this guy, they're going to say, let's take as many pitches as we can this inning and get this guy out of the game. Now when you're playing the Brewers and you get him out of the game, you're going to Boxberger, Williams, and Hayter, so it's not a whole lot better. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe maybe the message to the hitters is, look, it, it doesn't really matter if this guy comes out of the game or not because of who we'll see after him. So maybe surprise them, maybe ambush them. I, I don't know, but it's, 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 it's interesting to watch how that inning played out. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think that's what teams are trying to do. They're trying to have different strategies against some of these Brewers starters. You see that against Corbin Burns as well. They try and jump him early. Nothing seems to work when these guys are on. At the end of the day, Brandon Woodruff made two mistakes in that inning. The first two pitches were right down the middle. Sutsugo made him pay, almost hit a home run. That was a rocket off the bat to right field for a double, actually a single, held to a single. And then Kevin Newman hit a rocket into left field right down the middle. So that at the end of the day, that's on Brandon Woodruff because he threw those mistakes. Um, but, you know, yeah, you see teams try and figure out a way to get to these guys. Again, if, if Woody's on, no one's going to get to him anyway. Boxberger comes in in a really tough situation. He has come into a ton of tough situations this year. More often than not, he has been successful, not successful today, and didn't get a whole lot of help behind him. Yeah, that was a – okay, so Box comes in after uh, the blue pit by O'Neal, and then all of a sudden he gets uh, Diego Castillo to strike uh, – I'm sorry, Brian Reynolds to strike out on a, on a generous call, and then Josh Van Meter flies out to left field – and that was a weird, weird play because Christian Yelich comes in, calls off Willie Adamas, and throws a, a four-hopper into the plate, and then, and then Boxberg actually tips it for some reason, and then a run scores. Now, all of a sudden, as bad of a throw that, as that was, and a bad of, as bad of a play that was by Boxberger, now the tying runs on third, and you saw that – it really affected Boxberger. It seemed as if it affected. That weird play affects him, and then he gives up that mistake fastball right down the middle to Ben Gamble, who hits a, a homer, and, and all of a sudden, just like that, in a blink of an eye, two-run homer, the Pirates take the lead. So um, just a weird momentum shift right there. If we talk about momentum all the time. That was a weird momentum shift that caught, really cost the Brewers. George N. Pewaukee text in. He says, how come nobody is complaining that the Brewers have no everyday player hitting 270 or better? Council never leaves his best three to four players hit every day to develop some consistency. McCutcheon, definitely non-answer. He took leadoff bats away from Wong. Let Wong be the everyday leadoff hitter from the beginning of the season. So, George, I understand your frustration. First off, Christian Yelich is the leadoff hitter right now, and he has very very little success hitting anywhere but leadoff. He is as consistent of a hitter as basically the team has right now since he's gone into the leadoff spot. So maybe you mess with that later on. Colton Wong hasn't really hit all season long. You're not moving Yelich out of the leadoff spot to put Wong back in there. With the way the injuries are right now with no Renfro and no Taylor, you have to play McCutcheon. On an, on an everyday basis, I understand the, the desire to see lineup consistency and player consistency where they're in there every day. But, Vinny, the Brewers have won a lot of games in the Craig Council era of base, uh, Brewers baseball, and never have they done that consistent everyday lineup. It's just not their style of doing things. And what you're missing is a name like a you know like a Freddie Freeman or a Prince Fielder or even a Ryan Braun in this lineup where you you get that MVP type caliber production where you're gonna you know just 
plant that guy right in the middle of your order every single day. You're going to get a bunch of lineups, a bunch of different lineups. You're 2018 Yelich. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he was the three-hitter. Yes, you're going to shuffle guys around in order to play matchups against pitchers. I mean, at the end of the day, I get the point about no 270-hitter in the lineup. There's not a whole lot of 270-hitters at this point in all of baseball. The Pirates haven't deployed a 270-hitter in this series at this point. Um, well, actually, Brian Reynolds. Um so it's just a, you know, that's the state of where hitting is. I mean, Daniel Vogelback is a really good hitter. He's hitting 245. Okay. So, um, Cabrian Hayes is an up and coming, rising, you know, I think a future all star. He's hitting 247. So it's just where hitting is right now with how good pitching is. Um, and it's just tough to, to really get a guy that's a consistent, high batting average guy. Right now in the National League, there are seven hitters qualified who are hitting 300 or better. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. There are seven hitters in the National League who are 300 hitters. Paul Goldschmidt, Bryce Harper, and he's d- done for now. Jeff McNeil, Manny Machado, Josh Bell, Garrett Cooper, and Trey Turner. That's it. it. Hitting is, is extremely difficult, and that's just what it is. And, and you know, yes, we want to see the Brewers hit a little bit better. Yes, we want to see them score more runs on a consistent basis, but here they're they're scoring runs via the home run. We all don't like that as much as we would like to see a bunch of hits strung together. However, they are still hitting a lot of home runs. So that means they are the three they're three and a half games up in first place too. So let's, you know, let's just talk about that and and just kind of like I said rest our heads on the pillow understanding that they're still in first. Yeah, for me the frustration coming out of this game is that they lost this game. The frustration isn't what this loss represents in a big picture. This right. is this is a game you shouldn't lose. And it's it's totally valid to be incredibly frustrated to watch this team lose this game. Yeah, in a vacuum, absolutely. One game they should have won against a bad Pittsburgh Pirates team. This Pittsburgh Pirates team is third worst or second worst actually in batting average and they're fourth worst in team ERA. So they're bad at pitching and bad at, at hitting. And they kicked the thing around today, too. Their fielding was atrocious, and they still won the game. They're leading the league in, in errors as well yeah. on defense. So, like, so, I mean, you got to beat this team. You got to beat the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're not good. They lost. It's a bad loss. I've said this, though. They've got some young, fun players. Yeah. I, I, I've said this a million times. If you give me a Cubs game, a Reds game, or a Pirates game, and I have to watch one of the three, I'm watching the Pirates every time. There's some fun players out there. Yeah, there is. There's some There's some up-and-coming guys like a Cabrian Hayes. Jack Sawinski might win the Rookie of the Year. This yeah. guy was in double A. He gets called up as a for a need, and now all of a sudden he's got 14 home runs. A good it, it, O'Neal Cruz, he looks like the Predator out there playing shortstop. I mean, he's a freak athlete, fun to watch. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm in total agreement. And then, and then you got your Derek Shelton pitching guys, you know, 58 pitches, fun to talk about. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, there's some stories to talk about with the Pittsburgh Pirates. 4-3, Pittsburgh gets the win over the Brewers. We'll get the postgame comments of manager Craig Council. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. 2-0. Swing and a fly ball left center. Back on it, Davis. Still back, warning track, and gone. Brad Boxberger has given up a go-ahead two-run home run to Ben Gamble here in the seventh, and just like that, the Pirates lead 4-3. That would end up being the final score as Brewers Extra Innings does continue here on WTMJ. David in Glendale sent a text message. He says, it seems the Brewers were much better at hitting when we had that hitting coach from about three or four years ago. Your thoughts? 
Uh, my thoughts is hitting coaches make very little impact on a team. If you are a major league hitting coach, you are good at your job. You don't get there by an accident. So uh, the guys they have now, and, and Ozzie Timmons and Connor Dawson, Andy Haynes, Darnell Coles, whoever whoever the hitting coach has been, they've all been really good hitting coaches, and we put a whole lot more attention on them than we should for the hitting results of the Brewers. Manager Craig Council met with the media just a little while ago, uh, opened up talking about that four-run seventh inning that the Pirates put together. I mean, they, they scored four runs. Um... You know they 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 swung the bat well. Um, so I mean I, I don't know if um, you know I mean they they hit the ball. They, they did a good job swinging the bat. Perfect. Them all just like ambushing first pitch. Um, I mean I you know Woody had a bunch of strikeouts. Um, you know I mean I think as you that's you know as you kind of get through the lineup a couple times I think. Well, that could be a strategy for a hitter, and they, uh, you know, they hit a couple of balls hard to start the inning, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, they got they got a big big blast off box. In a perfect circumstance, how does that play unfold on the fly ball to Yelly there? Um, um, I, I, you know, I just the box isn't involved in it. Who who would make that that cutoff normally? Would that be Willie or? Or how should no, that I don't play? Really, no, I mean Willie's going on. They're all they're going for the pop up, so there doesn't yeah, there doesn't need so. there doesn't need to be a there doesn't need to be a cutoff man there. Yeah, he just goes home. Right? Yeah. You think a play like that where Box kind of got was in, in the wrong place? Does that impact the next hitter or a veteran? No, we, I mean, no. Because the first two were. I don't know if he fell behind is the key there, right? Yeah, I mean, he fell behind and, and left the pitch out over the middle of the plate. What did you think of Woody up until that seventh inning? Uh, I mean, I, th- I thought he pitched really, really well. Um, you know, they, the eighth took a little bit out of him. He probably, was, I think it was his highest pitch count inning. Um, but he made some pitches and, and felt good going back out there. And um, like you said, they just they, they jumped on a couple pitches early in the count. and. And then uh, we just we just weren't able to get out of the inning. Do you feel like he's getting stronger each time? I think he's pitching very well. I mean, I, I think he's pitched well all three times. I mean, I, all three have been kind of carbon copies of, of each other. Just kind of another frustrating day offensively. Is a lot of, another day with a lot of action, but just not a lot coming across. Yeah, we're missing we're missing the next hit for sure, and um, you know, it, it's it's. It, it's keeping our run total down every day. You know, it's it's the three, the four, the two, um, and and so, you know, we we need that next hit. We need the we need the um, kind of productive out with men on third a couple times this series uh, we haven't got. So, um, you know, that's the story of scoring runs. Craig, how do you correct that? I mean, part you've said in baseball, it's just good at bats. There, there's nothing. You know, it's it's a. It's just having good at-bats in those situations. That's Magic Craig Council speaking with the media just a little while ago. 855-616-1620 is the Yankee Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. Uh, S. Jones on Twitter says, how about Keston Hira heating up? That is a development. That is a good development for this team. We've talked over and over about the fact that not really sure 
how Keston Hero fits on this roster. But right now, he's swinging it about as good as just about anybody on the team. So he fits on the roster because he's swinging kind of a hot bat, like a Brewers version of a hot bat here at the moment. What you do is you put him in the lineup every day, and you see if he can keep it going. And if he can keep it going, that's good. Look, the trade deadline is right around the corner. If you can lift up his trade value as well, where maybe he can be part of something, because I say it over and over and over, there's 26 spots on the roster. That means if you trade for somebody, they're taking the roster spot of somebody. So it's not just about trading away prospects. Sometimes you have to trade off your big league roster the Brewers weren't the only team that thought highly of Keston Hero when he was draft eligible. So maybe, maybe, but the the bottom line is he's swinging better than he has lately. Um, so that's that's good. Uh, Mitchell Lewis tweets in. This is more than a tough loss. It proves in so many ways that the Brewers are total pretender. Okay, no, it doesn't. Every team suffers losses like this every year. The be- the Yankees have had some really bad losses, and the Yankees are the only 60-plus win team in baseball this year. So anytime you try to take one loss, one moment in baseball and apply it to a bigger picture issue, you're going to be wrong a whole lot. Brewers fall to the Pirates 4-3. How did it go down? We'll tell you what the highlights. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Foley. 4-3, Pirates beat the Brewers. Starting pitching matchup today. Brandon Woodruff going for the crew. Zach Thompson on the mound for the Pirates. And Woodruff on early. Gets the first two outs in the top of the first inning. And then faces off against a former Brewer and Daniel Vogelback. Now Woodruff deals again and he struck him out swinging. He was a lot easier to get along with when he did that. Strikeout for Woodruff. First strikeout of many for Woodruff. Scoreless as we go through the first into the second inning. That's when the Brewers would get on the board. Luis Urias at the plate with one out. Two strike offering. Thompson deals again, and Luis sends it in the air. Left center and deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Luis Urias. And the Brewers have the lead on his 10th of the year. One nothing. Brewers take that lead, and then they have a shutdown inning, a half inning later in at the top of the third. O'Neill Cruz strikes out, and then after a Diego Castillo ground out, it brings up Michael Perez. Brewers up one nothing here in the top of the third, and a one-two pitch to Perez. Woodruff struck him out, looking fastball right at the knees. Two more strikeouts for Brandon Woodruff. He's got nine up and nine down through three innings. Yeah, nine up, nine down. How about 12 up, 12 down, and more strikeouts in the fourth inning? He strikes out Ben Gamble, gets Brian Hayes to line out. It brings up once again Daniel Vogelback. 0 2 pitch to Vogelback, and a swing and a miss. He struck him out. Another changeup. Two more strikeouts for Brandon Woodruff in a flawless fourth. So we go to the fifth inning, and Brandon Woodruff is twirling a no hitter. First batter in the top of the fifth is Jack Sawinski. He grounds out. The next hitter is Yoshi Susugo. Susugo waiting, and that one is hit in the gap in the right center to the wall. Susugo is going into second base with a one-out standing double. Well, he finally gave up a base hit. Yeah, no hitter is gone, but the shutout still intact. The next hitter, Kevin Newman, he strikes out. Then a walk to O'Neill Cruz. It brings up Diego Castillo. 
One ball and two strikes. Right-handed batting, Diego Castillo waiting. Here comes Woody. Hey, struck him out looking. one nothing as we head to the bottom of the fifth inning and the Brewers add to their lead. It all gets started with Christian Yelich. Here's the one-two delivery and Yelich bangs one to left, a base hit. This could be an extra base hit. Rolling in the second base, the high throw, and it's going to be a double for Yelich. After back-to-back strikeouts of Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez, Andrew McCutcheon comes through. And the pitch. Swinging a bullet to right by McCutcheon. Yelich around third. The ball getting by Castillo. And in the second, Andrew McCutcheon. So 2-0, the Brewers have the lead in the sixth inning. Brandon Woodruff comes back out. He issues a walk to Michael Perez. Next hitter is Ben Gamble. One-two delivery. It's strike three, looking, and Ben Gamble not in agreement with that call made by Roberto Ortiz. Didn't look too bad. Another strikeout for Woodruff. Strikeout number nine. Little did we know that would be his final strikeout at that point. Cabrian Hayes lines out, then a walk to Daniel Vogelback. Brings up Jack Sawinski. He flies out. Also, we didn't know at the time that would be the final out recorded by Brandon Woodruff. In the bottom of the sixth inning, it gets going with Luis Urias being hit by a pitch. At that point, a pitching change as Chase DeYoung comes on to face off against Keston Hero. 3-2 delivery. He's holding. Swinging a line drive to left. Base hit. And picked up and bobbled by Ben Gamble. All the way to the wall and in the score is Luis Urias. Yeah, so the Brewers add to their lead and they take that 3-0 lead to the top of the seventh inning. And that's when things go a bit haywire as uh, Brandon Woodruff is continuing to pitch for the Brewers and he had been so good throughout the game. Uh, Yoshi Sugo, he leads the inning off with a base hit then Kevin Newman singles. That puts runners on at first and second for O'Neill Cruz. Woodruff delivers and a swing, a little flare. That's in the shallow left, and it's down for a base hit. The Pirates are going to get a run. The throw is going to go into third base. It's a bloop double for O'Neill Cruz. Woodruff has thrown three pitches in this inning, and they have all been swung at by the Pirates' offense. And that ends the day for Woodruff as Brad Boxberger comes on. First battery faces uh, Brian Reynolds. He strikes him out. Then Josh Van Meter comes up as a pinch hitter. Fly ball, shallow left. Yelich coming on. He's got a bead on it, and he will make the catch, tagging and stopping as Boxberger plays the cutoff. Man, the ball gets away from Boxberger, and coming in to score is Newman. Boy, Boxberger just leaves that one alone. There's no way the Pirates score. Yeah, a missed catch air by Brad Boxberger. That allows the run to score. Maybe he's a little frazzled at that moment. Whatever is happening, Ben Gamble then does this. 2-0. Swing and a fly ball left center. Back on it, Davis. Still back, warning track, and gone. Brad Boxberger has given up a go-ahead two-run home run to Ben Gamble here in the seventh. And just like that, the Pirates lead 4-3. Yeah, four-run inning where you felt like the Brewers kind of gave that away just a bit, and all of a sudden the Pirates have that 4-3 lead. 
in the bottom of the seventh. The Brewers do make some noise. Willie Adamas leads the inning off with a double, then Rowdy Telez a base hit, so puts runners on at first and third, but Andrew McCutcheon strikes, uh, strikes out. Colton Wong reaches on a uh, fielder's choice where Adamas is out at home, and then it brings up Luis Urias. 1-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a slider, and Underwood, who was in the biggest of jams, first and third, nobody out, gets out of it. The Brewers leave two. It remains a 4-3 game. Hobie Milner throws a scoreless eighth. John Del Gustave a scoreless ninth. So we head to the bottom of the ninth inning. New pitcher for the Pirates is David Bednar. Strikes out Christian Yelich. Yelich did not like an appeal play call down the third baseline. He ends up arguing and getting thrown out. Then Willie Adamas grounds out. Two outs, one run game, and Rowdy Telez standing in. And the stretch, the pitch. Swinging and a rocket to first. Chavis, heck of a play to end the game on a rocket hit by Rowdy Tillett. 4-3 the final with the win. The Pirates go to 35-50. and 50. The Brewers drop to 48-38, and 38, winning totals for Pittsburgh. They score four runs on five hits with two errors and five left. The Brewers, three runs, nine hits, one error. They leave nine. Winning pitcher... Uh, is DeYoung. He's 4-0, the loss to Boxberger. He's 3-2, also charged with his sixth blown save. Home runs in the game, Ben Gamble hitting his fourth. Luis Urias hits his tenth. The game lasting three hours and 14 minutes, played in front of a crowd of 35,384 folks here at American Family Field. Once again, the Brewers lose to the Pirates by a 4-3 score. We'll take a break. We'll get you some scores from around baseball, and we'll get you set for tomorrow's series finale out here at American Family Field. That's coming up next. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Starting to wrap up this edition of Brewers Extra Innings. After the Brewers come up short, they lose to Pittsburgh 4-3. All four Pittsburgh runs score in a top of the seventh inning when the Brewers had a 3-0 lead. And the Brewers once again struggle with runners in scoring position. They go 2-for-13. Brandon Woodruff was really good, even if his final line does not indicate it. Six-plus innings, three runs on four hits. But through six innings, he had not given up a run and threw uh, five innings or in the fifth inning, he gave up his first hit of the day. So that was a dominant performance from uh, Brandon Woodruff. You can't tell from the box score. One of those times where the box score does not completely tell the story. Let's go around the NL Central. The Brewers uh, do not lose any ground in terms of their lead in the Central over the Cardinals because the Phillies shut out the Cardinals one nothing. Second straight game that St. Louis has been shut out. They had a big opportunity uh, in the ninth inning when they had a couple on uh, and could not score the runner from third with less than two outs after Philadelphia had scored one run in the top of the ninth inning. Dakota Hudson started for St. Louis, went pretty good for him. Six innings, two hits, four strikeouts, and two walks. The rest of the bullpen did a pretty good job until uh, Giovanni Gallegos ends up giving up a run in his one inning. But the Cardinals just seemingly cannot score runs here at the moment. Also, the Cincinnati Reds, they get a 10-inning win against the Tampa Bay Rays. So the Reds having some success against the Rays. They had the walk-off balk win yesterday, and they get a 10-inning win today. 5-4 the file. Uh, final Hunter Green, six innings, one run, three hits, nine strikeouts, four walks. I think I saw he threw 38 
I think it was 38 pitches at 100 miles per hour or more in this game, which is just absolutely crazy uh, as hard, that he's throwing it not just as hard as he is, but as consistently hard as he is. It just continues to happen time after time after time. The Cubs, they are in action tonight as they're going to match up against the Dodgers in Los Angeles. Pitching matchup for this evening's game. It's going to be Marcus Stroman getting the start for the Cubs. He's 2-5 and five with a 5.32 ERA. Clayton Kershaw is going to go for the Dodgers tonight. The left-hander enters with a 5-2 record and a 2.57 ERA. Around the Brewers' minor league system, let's go ahead and start with Low A Carolina. They are in action right now playing at Kannapolis, and it is a 2-2 game. Again, that game is currently in the bottom of the seventh inning. The Wisconsin Timberlanders, they are on the road this evening. They put up a sixth spot in the top of the second inning in South Bend, Indiana, and right now that game just went through six. They just finished the bottom of the sixth inning, and the Timberlanders are currently leading South Bend by an 8-3 score. Double-A Biloxi, they are playing right now in Montgomery, Alabama. Biloxi scored in three straight innings, scoring a run in the second, two in the third, one in the fourth, and they right now lead at Montgomery 4-3 in that game in the bottom of the seventh. And then Triple-A Nashville, they are midway through the sixth inning at Columbus. Nashville is leading that game by a 6-1 score. Nashville just continues to play some great baseball. Their record is currently sitting at 21-30. and Again, in our game, the Brewers, uh, they come up short against Pittsburgh 4-3. I do think it's important to say this, and I know I mentioned it a moment ago. There's a lot of negativity after a loss like this, and, and rightfully so. We've said it over and over again that this is a game that the Brewers should not be losing. Every team in baseball loses games that they have no business losing during the course of the season. It's just it's part of the part of the nature of a 162 game season. And really one of the things that's challenging in covering a baseball team is being able to pick up on the trends that lead to wins and the trends that lead to losses. So, what are the trends that are important to look at in this game today? The fact that they struggled offensively. They scored just three runs. They don't get that next big hit. They don't hit with runners in scoring position. Like that's Those are the things that are valid. Those are the things that are real. Those are the things that are continuing on. The fact that they lose this game, the fact that you had the, the craziness in the seventh inning where Pittsburgh scores four runs, like it feels really, really bad at that moment, but it, it doesn't really mean all that much except you had a chance to win a baseball game today and you did not win that game. All right, the two teams are going to wrap up the series coming up tomorrow afternoon. Rubber game of the match. The Brewers have lefty Eric Lauer on the mound, 6-3, and three, a 3.84 ERA. Jose Quintana, left-hander, will go for the Pirates, 2-4, and 3.33 ERA. 110 first pitch, 12.35 for network coverage. I'll have you at 12 o'clock for Brewers warm-up. And I'll have you uh, after the game for Brewers extra innings. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow here on WTMJ.